0: Chapter five Chapter five is a once again a condemnation of Israel and a description of the ensuing consequences which are very negative. It begins with roam the streets of Jerusalem Go and search roam the streets of Jerusalem search its squares, take note. Will you find a man, a person who is, uh, will you find a person who acts justly? There is none who acts justly, who seeks integrity, that I should pardon her. If you can find someone who's real, I will pardon. That's how chapter 5 begins. <inaudible> but if they say, as the Lord lives, as the Lord lives is an oath, if they swear by God, But they are swearing falsely. It's very interesting, actually, that within Yirmiyot, on more than one occasion, Yermio speaks of saying something, swearing by God's name. Now, swearing in general, our tradition has a very mixed uh, view about taking a shvua. There is a strong, within the rabbinic tradition, a strong sense that it's better not to take oaths, not to take vows. But in the book of Yermiao, it speaks more than once positively of saying something, swearing in God's name. And actually, that idea of ubishmo tishaveya as a positive, to swear or maybe to make commitments in God's name, is a phrase that appears in the book of Devarim more than once. Once again, it's another Devarim theme. If you find someone speaking in God's name, <coughs> of committing to God, we would say, but it's not genuine. So don't be don't be fooled. You won't find somewhat of integrity in the streets of Jerusalem. And now we have in verse number three of chapter five, a And the verse is Hashem, Musar O oh Lord, your eyes search for integrity, lemunah, steadfastness. You have struck them, they sense no pain. You have consumed them, they accept no discipline. They made their faces harder than rock, they refused to turn back. So what is that statement? Is it a justification of God's punishment? Or is it actually an argument? And I think you can read it both ways. But one way to read it is, if you are constantly punishing them, but it has no effect on them, so what's the point of punishing them? Obviously, they are incapable of understanding. So actually, it's a defense of the people. Listen, these people can't understand you. So there's no point to keep punishing them, which actually makes sense in terms of the continuation. I said... I thought, says says, A dal is a poor person. They're poor folk. Poor in this case, he's not actually financially poor, but incapable of actually, they're low level. They're not really capable of understanding. And therefore, that's why, even though you punish them, they don't seem to understand what the punishment is about, because they are incapable of understanding. Yodu derech Hashem. They don't understand the path of God. God's rules. So Yermio says, let me go to the Gedolim, not to the Dawim, not to the low ones, but to the leaders, the big ones, literally. Let me speak to them. They certainly know the path of God. But they as well had broken the yoke, had snapped the bonds. So it's not a matter of not understanding. And even for the others, presumably, it's not a matter of they not understanding either. Rather, it's, uh, it's willful disobedience. That's what Yermio says. He had advanced a defense, but this defense is not a good defense. And actually, this is something very typical of Yermiyo, as we'll see throughout the book. The constant shifts. On one hand, he is angry with the people, He is bringing God's message to the people. On the other hand, he is uh, a defender of the people. He's a prophet. The prophet also prays. The prophet defends. In the previous chapter, in chapter 4, which also was all about impending doom, impending destruction, which will come in this book from the north, and after he describes what is going to happen in the future... That in that day, for example, in chapter 4, verse 9, prophecy, in that day, it says the prophecy, the mind of the king and the nobles shall fail. The priest shall be appalled and the prophet shall stand aghast. In the book of Yirmiyahu, in general, there are four groups that Yirmiyahu interacts with and he critiques the king, of course, is one, the nobles, the princes are two, the priests are three, he himself is a priest, and number four, the prophets that are very central, and we'll come to this in the book of Yirmiyahu, the other prophets, one one might call them the false prophets, but exactly what does it mean to be a false prophet, we'll encounter that in the book of Yirmiyahu. But after he states the prophecy, what's going to happen in the future, for Omar, this is verse number 10 of the previous chapter. I said, Aha Hashem Elohim, oh, woe, O oh Lord God. So it means, it turns to God. God, you yourself have deceived the people. You have deceived Jerusalem by saying to them, It shall be well with you but the sword threatens our lives. Now where did God say it shall be well with you? So presumably this refers to what appears at the end of the previous verse, in verse number nine, the prophets shall stand aghast. In the book of Yirmiyahu, he's a prophet, but he's a prophet in opposition to the other prophets. And the other prophets throughout the book are saying that things will go well. For example, they say that the Babylonians will not succeed to invade and destroy uh, and capture Jerusalem. The Babylonians will not succeed in keeping the exiles in, in Babel. The Babylonians will not succeed in keeping the temple t- the temple artifacts in Babel. And Miya throughout his entire book, throughout his career, has one clear message: don't fight the Babylonians. the Babylonians are God's instrument. and if you make peace with them it'll be well with you, both here in the land and also, in Babel. And for this, the other prophets dispute this. And not only that, but obviously they call him a traitor. You are aligning yourself with the enemy of the Jewish people. This is the theme that runs throughout the entire books. And here, in chapter 4, we have what we have in our chapter, in chapter 5, where yir actually turns to God and attempts a defense of the people. And the defense of the people is that, what do you expect from them? Your prophets are saying to the people that things will be well. That's what your prophets are saying. Shalom Yet the sword threatens the very life. So it's a way for Yirmiyahu to make an attempt to defend the people. And this defense of the people clearly is not accepted by God. They should know better. That's one avenue to explore in the book. Or the fact of the matter is that the nation in its totality has misbehaved, and when the nation in its totality is misbehaved, everybody becomes liable to the punishments that are meted out to the entire nation. I would add one last point about what's very striking about the Book of Yirmiyahu, and there are many striking features to the Book of Yirmiyahu, and that is the presentation of God in the Book of Yirmiyahu. For example, in our chapter, in chapter five after Yirmiyahu says, I went to the people, and maybe the people don't know better. The elders should know better. And then in verse number seven, Why should I forgive you? This is God talking. Why should I forgive you? Your children have forsaken me, and sworn by no gods. I had mentioned earlier, swearing in God's name is a positive in the book of yir but they swear by below Elohim with no gods. But God's very response, why should I forgive you? That's a defensive posture on God's part. You ask me to forgive, to overlook. I can't do this. Why should I forgive you? Presents God as as responding in a way, or having to defend God's behavior. And what's interesting is, there's a similar thing that we find in the previous chapter, in chapter 4. Very striking verse. May I, may I, O oh, Heelah, be, be, Loacharish, Kiko Shofar Shamat Nafshi, Chuat Mulchama. My suffering, my suffering, how I writhe, the walls of my heart, my heart moans within me. I cannot be silent. I hear the blare of horns, alarms of war. This refers to the people that it describes their inner states, that they're very innards. It's not just what actually happens, objectively speaking, but they're in a state of suffering. They're worried about the future. They hear the sound of the shofar, which is the blare of horns, the imminent war, and they are frightened. And the response to that in verse 22, Ki me mi otilo yada'u, <laughs> banim schalim heima. In the context, God responds. Listen, my people are foolish. And it's very interesting that not understanding, being foolish, is another Jeremiah theme. And actually, we have this already again in the book of Dvarim. The book of Dvarim in general sees knowledge, sees Chachmah, as something very positive. It's the one book in the Torah that really venerates wisdom. In the Song of Hazina, which is alluded to several times in Jeremiah's prophecies, Amna val chacham, the people that are foolish. So God's response to the description of people's inner state, psychological suffering, listen, if they were wiser, if they understood how to behave properly, none of this would ever happen. And this is a constant back and forth in the book of Jeremiah. on one hand, It describes the people's objective suffering and the people's inner state. And the book of Yimeo also tells us, one might say, about God's inner states, about God's response, not just what God will do, but the prophet also seems to have insight into what God is thinking and even what God is feeling.